Hello, it's Mike Richards here from the Treasury Recruitment Company. I hope you're enjoying the Treasury Career Corner. If you are, great news. Perhaps you give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcast content. This means that even more Treasury professionals can benefit from finding out or by finding out about how Treasurers have achieved their career goals. The link to rate our show will list at the bottom of our show notes. And please remember as well, the show itself is as much about you as it is about us. If there are specific questions you want us to ask or there's feedback you want to give, please drop me an email. My direct email is mike at treasuryrecruitment.com, inventably enough. But anyway, that's enough from me. Let's get on with the show. So welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. Each week, I talk to treasurers about how they started and built their careers, where they are now, and where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next. In this week's show, I'm delighted to be joined by Felix Varmut, the head of treasury at RHI Magnesita. They are a global leader in refactories. They have the largest number of locations around the world and most innovative, reliable products, as we will find out shortly. I'm going to let Felix explain a little bit more about what they do, but they're listed on the London Stock Exchange, but actually based over in Austria, so you can look them up if you like. As I said to Felix before we started the show, I used to give a big intro to Felix and things. Actually, he can do it much better than I can. Felix, you first started in Treasury a few years ago. Explain for the listeners, if you would, your career and how you got started in Treasury and uh, bring us up to date. Thank you very much, Mike. Uh, Very, very honored and excited to be here and to to talk to you about Treasury and about the future of Treasury. How did I get into Treasury? Actually, um, probably as most of the Treasurers, I started started business administration in economics. My first job was not in Treasury, but it was in credit risk. So I started at RGI AG, which is actually one of the one of the four one of the companies that then merged into RGI Magnesita in the credit risk department, and then also headed the credit risk department a couple of years later, which is basically doing all the operational credit risk in terms of doing your uh, credit risk insurance for your receivables, handling all the factoring topics, and also the trade finance area was also part of my responsibility, which split a little bit over to treasury. And probably three or four years later, I then took over also the treasury responsibilities. Also right now, I'm heading both departments, the treasury department and the credit risk department. So treasury is basically everything what you what you would think about a traditional treasury is doing like external financing, internal financing, cash management, foreign exchange risk or every kind of risk management, also interest rate swaps and those kind of things. So I'm now probably in like treasury, what you would call uh, a traditional treasury in la- for like six or seven years. So what do I like about it? I mean, it's it, it's very, exci- very exciting for me and I like to work into treasury because it's just not, it's not exactly clear what are the boundaries of treasury, right? It's not like a closely defined area, like for example, accounting, because you know where accounting starts, you know where accounting ends, right? But for treasury, it's it's a good mix because you have to do a, you have you have a lot to do with your internal clients, with with sales, with your other finance areas, or also with operations. 
but you also have your external view when it comes to banking, to investors, and that kind of thing. So I think it's a very, very good mix and very, very, it just doesn't get boring, right? And when you have, so a number of our listeners, they obviously, some work in service industries, some work in, you know, similar companies to yourselves. Uh, I mean, explain for the listeners, if you would, refractories, you're the driving force of the refractory industry, as you say. What does that mean? I mean, you've got this, you know, you're absolutely massive. And how does that then impact on the, your role as treasurer? Because obviously you're a product-based company, commodities, all those things. But just explain the industry and then how that sort of links into your role as treasurer, if you would. Sure, sure. I mean, I guess, as you rightly said, um, probably some or even most of our listeners have never heard of refractories. At least indirectly, you have to deal with refractories every day. Because without refractories, you wouldn't have a car to drive in. Without refractories, you wouldn't have a mug to drink your coffee out of. Or without refractories, you wouldn't have a glass that you could drink your wine out of, right? Mm. Because refractory is... Whoa, 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 whoa. Drink your beer out of. Hello, please. Oh, whatever. 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 Yeah, yeah. Forget the wine. Whatever you yeah, like. Thank you very much. Right? I mean... <laughs> But 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 actually, refractory is a material yeah, which is based on magnesite or dolomite. So the raw material is magnesite or dolomite. Right. And it's a very heat-resistant material. Okay. Uh, you can you can think about it. Uh, for example, if you think about melting steel, you melt steel in a steel furnace, right? So what would what would happen? The furnace would melt as well, right? Yeah. So you need a very heat-resistant material which is refractory. So every, for, every, for every process where you have temperature above 1,000, 1,200 degrees, yeah. you need refractories, which are basically like an isolation area in a furnace that the furnace itself doesn't melt. Mm. So you need refractories for all high temperature processes, which is mainly steel, but also cement and lime, glass, every non-ferrous material, but also for some kind of uh, applications in the, uh, in the petrochemical industry, for example. We do the whole value chain, both companies, so RHI and Magnesita that merged in 2016, mm-hmm. both companies actually started as a mining company uh, going back to 18, 1834, which is one of the first, one of the first uh, plants set up in Germany at that time, and the company, the companies evolved through mergers, through acquisition over the last decades, and then finally in 2016 merged into RHI Magnesita, which is now global leader in in the refractory industry. Well, we talked earlier about a question I had for you that RHI Magnesita are based in Austria, headquartered there, but virtually all of your revenues are everywhere else, and you're listed in London. We talked about this before the show, but explain perhaps for the listeners, you know, where your main markets are and, you know, yeah. how you approach that. Totally true. Uh, mm. Probably 90, 99 or 98% of our revenue is, is done outside of Austria. The headquarter could be anywhere. It is just out of history. It is, there are actually going back to the mining uh, origins of the company. There are not, there are only a few places in the world where you have magnesite, which is one of the very important raw materials. Yeah. So you either have it in Brazil, you either have it in, in the Alps, you have it in Turkey, and you have it in China. That's where the Austria came from, just from the origins of the com- of the company being also a mining company. Right. Actually, right now, as you write, as, as you said, doing 
our, our business all over the world. Actually, uh, we, our biggest market is, is the US. And actually, our four biggest markets are in four different continents. The first one is US. The second one is Brazil. The third, the third one is India. And the fourth one is Germany. Uh, so as you see, we're very diversified all over, all over, all over the world, doing servicing uh, 10,000 customers from Chile to Japan. So we're pretty much everywhere you can imagine. Yeah, but you're spread around the in those four massive pockets of where the big industries are and things. And then as that then feeds into your role as treasurer. You know, how do you find it? It's a global company. You're based in Austria. You've got to deal with maybe the Far East in the in the morning, throughout Europe in as you move through the day, and then US. Or how are you structured within Treasury terms? Yeah, true, true. So it's, it's a little bit as you said. I mean, as we have as we have um, like a lot of a lot of a lot of companies, especially in Austria, very Eastern Europe focused, right? Uh, um, just because of also the regional uh, aspects, which we are totally not, right? So we are pretty much all over the world, and especially that diversity makes it very very interesting to work with different regions to work with different countries also then when you when you look at the treasury banking kind of thing right it, it, it's very important especially being that international as we are it's very important to that that your banking relationship your core banking footprint fits to your footprint right because it could be that one day you need some some somebody who can help you in china and then the other day, you need somebody helping you in the U.S. or in Brazil. So this is a very important topic, which actually also makes it very interesting. Mm. And when you say that, when you, what's the biggest challenge, would you say, of dealing globally? Is it that dealing with the local banking partners and getting stuff in place? Or is it the local partners within the group or within each of the countries? It's the local suppliers? Where are you seeing the challenges that then sort of feed up the chain to you, as it were? Um, I mean, I would actually think think it's two things. First, as you rightly mentioned, is having the uh, as we talk talked about already, is having the right uh, real banking relationships that could help you out, help you out everywhere in the world, which is actually one very important thing that we focused on. Uh, during the last year, so after the merger of exactly setting that up, right? Because you will you will have constantly uh, topics arising, financing or or risk management uh, uh, topics all over the world, uh, and and you need you need to have your relationships set up in that way. The second thing is also the cultural differences. Not 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 speaking here about the banking stuff, but actually speaking internally, right? It's different uh, to talk to somebody or to negotiate somebody in the Germanic world, right? We're very straightforward, right? In, in, so we, in, a, in, a Germanic, in a Germanic discussion, you have no small talk. You start immediately, right? Just you, you, you tackle, you tackle the, the, the issue and start to, start, start, to get it, start to get it done. Hmm. It's very different for, when you talk to somebody in India, for example, right? Where we're, where we're very big. Uh, that's just a different kind of negotiation, a different kind of discussions. It's culturally very interesting. The setup of Treasury for you guys, obviously you're heading up. How are you organized on a globe, you know, local and global scale for the group within Treasury? That is what we are doing. What we are 
have started already and pretty much every central function we try to focus on the real core corporate topics right mm -hmm. so basically taking what you would call from execution to analytics right so basically saying okay you, you what do you focus on on the, on the corporate function which is the thinking what is the, what is the strategic thing so basically the heavy lifting and everything that is transactional or that is a, a, that is purely executional we are actually having internally outsourced into what we call global business services which is some kind of regional shared service center mm where we are bundling all transactional activities. That's not only true for treasury, that's also true, for example, for accounting, where you put your accounts payable, your accounts accounts receivables there, also for tax or for, for every, other, every other area. Is That is something that we are focusing very much on, and I think is actually also the future where treasury department will, will, will go to or will lead to, is purely do, doing corporate strategic heavy lifting kind of thinking stuff right mm. in terms of staffing and in terms of structure do you have like a you know right three, now, two or three different centers or right now we have pretty much two areas that that, that we're focusing on mm -hmm. on the treasure regionally we have one team here uh, in vienna which is uh, which is on the treasury side a team of four and we we additionally having a team of two uh, based in brazil we have of course had a lot of banking stuff a lot of also also financial instruments in brazil in place so that's why we have a local team in brazil dealing with with those kind of things but basically everything is run out of either the team in brazil or the team in vienna so you're fresh to treasury and to put that in context, some of the guys I've been speaking to have been in Treasury 25 years. I've been in Treasury recruitment 20-odd years. You've been in Treasury seven years. So sometimes when I say to people, I say, oh, you know, what was it like when you first started? I interviewed Royston DaCosta recently, and he was one of my first clients many years ago. And he and I talked about how it had changed, and we've talked about things sort of this, this thing called a fax machine and various other bits and stuff. I can remember that. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, you saw it in a museum, I know, and, and, and your dad told you about it. But more than that is, so you're relatively fresh. You've been seven years within Treasury. You can on that. Yeah. How have you seen, you know, when you got in there, you were seeing it perhaps from credit, and then you've seen Treasury, and obviously it's evolving the gathering pace and things. But where, do you, where did you see it, and where do you see it going in the future and things? Even though I'm... Um as you said, fresh in terms of uh, doing it only for seven years. Yeah. I think I saw quite uh, involvement during that uh, period, right? And I think you evolve in terms of a treasury from like being the guy who is doing the who is doing the calculations on your financing topics, who is working at his desk somewhere where nobody finds him or somebody were, or in the basement or whatever, right? Yeah. This is going away and it's going actually moving into a way more business partner kind of uh, kind of area where we actually where we're actually supporting the business and doing way more interactive things than you did for example also when I started seven years ago right yeah. because you actually have to think about that. I mean, the purely technical things that you did, like I don't know your FX hedging for example, yeah. so the execution of it I mean Pretty much, there is either somebody who can do it cheaper than you, especially for us being in 
in Europe or also in North America, right? There will be somebody who can either do it cheaper than you or somebody who can do it better than you, like a robot, for example. Pretty sure it is not the area we are focusing. We, we should, as a treasury, focus on the other things like being a business partner, supporting the business, be it, be it uh, for the sales side uh, on the uh, or for all M&A projects or discussions with the board, discussion with the audit committees, audit committees are basically providing strategic advice that also supports the business. Like also giving input to to the capital strategy, how to efficiently use a company's capital, for example, like your working capital. Um, so so where, where where does a company invest its capital in? And of course, also then, because treasury is something that is, I think, on the forefront of the digitalization. Because just I think treasury is pr- pretty much the, the the first area in a company that that used things like 360T, like Bloomberg, like uh, all those digital things that started on the treasury side. So I think we also we also a part of the area that should actually drive those digitalization and those innovations also going further. And do you think that's because treasury is at the front of things, you know, because I'd say to people, when I try and explain what I do, people you say, oh, treasury recruiter, do you do stuff for the government? No, I don't. I do things for corporates and things. And then, you know. That, you, that also happens to me. If somebody asks me where you work, and then I say I work in treasury, and I think everybody thinks I'm doing taxes or whatever. Right? <laughs> or working with the local government. You're like, no. Yeah, yeah something like that, yeah. yeah. But then you, that, well, then I explain that. So you've got a tax guy who's moving the money around and trying to save, you know, lots of, you know, stuff into company and everything else. You've got the group financial control looking at today's finances and backwards and then you've got the treasury guys looking today and for the future and the forward and do you think that's if you like if because you're at the front of things that's when you're the sort of buffer you know that all this technology is coming down and you know people talk about we've got blockchain we've got all the other things we've got everything coming is it are you finding yourselves being becoming a filter maybe for you know for those for the for the CFO maybe and looking at those things and what, what's going to work and what not, what's not going to work. Do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think, I think that's the, I think that fits it pretty well because I mean, just look at the banking world, world, right. And this is, this is a, this is an area that changed radically over the last, I don't know, five to 10 years and pretty much what is banking? Banking is people and it. That's pretty much it, right? Yeah. And IT gets even gets more and more important, right? Because more and more gets automized, get digitalized, gets into the IT area. Those those are actually the areas that banks are focusing on right now, right? Where they are spending their money on, mostly on IT. Oh, pretty probably also on compliance, which uh, most of the most of the treasurers don't. Most of the treasurers probably don't like to hear. But unfortunately, that's what it is. It is one of the industries, probably outside of e-commerce or something like that, where, 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 it's, where it's further ahead, but especially in the industrial area. So like an industrial company as we are, right? I think this is one of the touching points to a very digitalized industry, which is the bank, which is and is even getting more and more the banking industry. And looking to the future with you, you know, as, as, as you continue, you know, to develop, what's your ethos? What's your key to success? If you know, how are you, you know, seeing the future, your future as the treasurer of the group? 
I think for me, or as, as a treasury within our Chai Magnacita, after the merger, we, we did a lot of the harmonization of processes, redefined policies, discussed it with EAC in terms of what is your risk appetite of a company. Uh, so this is pretty much what we did, uh, which I would call is the foundation. Mm. Uh, what comes next is actually probably the grind, so to say, right? Because what we did is probably, I don't know, 60 to 70% of where we want to go. But actually the last 10, 20 is, is, the, is the thing that is the most kind of work and is actually the grind of doing uh, those, those, uh, those more uh, detailed things. I mean, uh, some things that, that, that we we'll focus on, that we want to focus on going further down the road is especially on working capital, working capital solutions. I think this is a very important topic for, for us, being a, especially being an industrial company, right? Mm. There's a lot of focus on accounts payables, on accounts receivables, on working capital, and also on, in, on inventories. And that's, that's, that's one important area in terms of looking how to effectively and efficiently use your working capital to further also support the company's growth. And I think one important thing probably that's, that's on the agenda of a lot of treasuries is also the digitalization of, of cash management. So uh, speaking about uh, payment factories, uh, having a system support, especially for us as we are in so many different countries. You can imagine how many hundreds of banks account we have with different banks. So this is like a very key area that we want to focus on going further. So this is, as I said, looking back at the merchant, this is pretty much the icing on the cake mm. which you want to focus on down the road. Looking at digitalization and, and the structure of the team and things and the support they give you, you said you've got a team of four in Treasury within Austria. You know, do you then prescribe out the response? You're, you're focusing on working capital, you're our systems guy or you know, girl. You know, how, how do you, you know, sort of diffuse responsibility to those or how are their roles structured? And, you know, as a treasurer, right, I want to do it this way or, you know, what's the structure there like? I spoke about earlier that credit risk department is part of my uh, my responsibility, Correct. and the accounts receivables factoring uh, kind of working capital solutions are actually within that department, right? So we have a we have a separate department, not only but also focusing on factoring, on accounts receivables financing, on all your trade finance topics, and the treasury department itself is more on either the financing topics or the cash management and risk management topics. If we look at what I said earlier about our areas to focus on, there would be the working capital accounts receivables part would actually be more of a credit risk responsibility in my team. But everything that comes to uh, to the digital digitalization of cash management, payment factories, and all those kind of things would be taken over by the treasury team. Going further, we have to see where we're going regionally. It could be that we also need support in those regions. What's your sort of uh, strategic plan for Treasury? One key phrase you already mentioned, I mean, it is digitalization, right? Everybody's talking about, no matter to which conference you go, you hear about automation, you hear about digitalization. And there, I think, is one topic very important. It is, it is the big data kind of question. And this is actually one area 
to focus on in terms of you, you get a lot of information. How do you how do you deal with it, right? And this is then there it comes in the in recruiting area. So actually, it's something that also you are you are focusing on. I'm very happy with this bit. I'm liking the way this conversation is going. <laughs> <laughs> There's, the, 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 I think this is a very important, uh, very important area because you get so much information, and it doesn't get it doesn't get less, right? You will, you will get more. You will get more data. Like think about if you if you do some kind of digitalization of your payment factory. Think about how many information you, how much of a kind of information you will get. So actually, going into what do you need to have as a treasurer going forward is one key area is having analytical skills. And I'm analytical skills. I'm not talking about simply having a spreadsheet, working in a spreadsheet, adding up columns, or doing V lockups or whatever. That's actually a technical skill, I would call yeah. it. Right? Because, but what I mean with analytical skills is dealing with lots of information, but dealing with imperfect information, right? Because you will never get it 100%. And you have to analyze it, draw conclusions out of it, and also interpret the data. So actually deal with deal with not only the, the, the big volume of it, but also with the speed and the speed of the change of it, and then come up with solutions to a mostly very complicated and complex problem and also getting the key statements out of it, right? So I think interpreting data, analyzing data will get more and more important going further down the road. So actually being analytical is one of the key areas that you need for your treasury career or when you want to start a treasury career going uh, um, in the future. The second one, uh, which is important and which you you have to have both actually, is being communicative, right? Because you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be the one just doing the analysis and not being able to communicate it. This is actually one key area, right? You don't need the nerdy guy just doing the calculations. You need the one doing the analytical stuff analyzing data, interpreting data, drawing conclusions, but then also having at the same time the skills to be able to communicate and explain a complex situation and also transfer a complex situation, a complex problem in an understandable way to everybody, right? To the board, to the audit committee, to your stakeholders, to whatever, right? So I think those those two, I would think, as if I look going further, what is the treasury? What are the two 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 skills I would need for for when I recruit a new treasury guy? It would be being analytical and being communicative. Those two things. So when you're looking for someone, you're looking for someone that's able to analyze and assess big data, lots of flows coming in, and then translate it into real words, stroke the common language that you know, is understandable and you pass on to CFOs and, and other people is if I'm interpreting that right and yes, translating myself, definitely. how do you assess that? How are you, you know, someone walks in the door, Oh, hang on. Let's look at your CV resume. Have you got this? Do you, you know, have you shown this? Because how many degrees are you going to get where, you know, that's a big part of it, analyzing big data and things like that, or, you know, demonstrate this you know if you're relatively new to treasury and things and you know don't want this to be a trick question but how would you assess that what what would you use what tools in your mind would you to look at you know when you're recruiting that person from a educational experience or professional education i wouldn't overvalue 
that part. So I wouldn't overvalue in the recruitment interview having a ACT or a CFA or whatever, yeah. especially especially considering if you had that degree or if you did that degree 10 years ago, probably it's pretty much worthless right now. Yeah. Um, That's why I, I say all degrees are worthless. But not, depending on what, what you've done since then, that's what we're saying. So, yeah. yeah yes, definitely. That's definitely. our caveat. Actually, so, actually, I would overvalue professional experience compared to educational experience. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. This is something I would value very much. As we come towards the end of today's interview, where do you see the the future of Treasury? And we'll then move on to, you know, perhaps someone, if they wanted to sort of look at your background and working in a similar role, we'll get you to talk about you. But where do you see Treasury going from here? You know, we've talked about being this uh, analyzer of big data, translator, getting it forward, and that's what you do. That's what you're doing effectively, and someone could do that. But how do you see it? I've, you know, and to put that in context, I've had some guys say, oh, it's all about IT, it's all about that. I've then had other guys say, it's all about communication. It's all about actually moving up the value chain, being much more strategic. And you use that as your foundation. But where do you see Treasury adding value in the future? Yeah, so I think I would, I would agree to the latter, what you, what you mentioned. So I think the key is uh, being more being strategic, uh, doing the thinking, uh, going away from the transactional part, from the executional part to the analytical and strategic, uh, strategic part, um, driving the innovation, driving the digitalization. And I think what does it mean for teams? I think for teams, it will mean that you have to be very agile, very flexible, very forward looking and very solution and output oriented compared to like simply being process oriented right so i think you have to you have to focus on the problems and bringing solutions strategic solutions to a problem i think it is something sorry. like compared- Peter, to interrupt sorry i'm going to interrupt there you say strategic solution you know it's, these are great words i see a lot of these on people say i'm a strategic solution provider so what you know what does that mean you know what do you mean by a strategic i think i know what you mean but maybe for some of the listeners when they're saying you know what is it what is a strategic solution you know or give us you know maybe an example or where are the challenges that your cfo is throwing at you sure i i think a strategic a strategic solution or uh, is something that you find or you can as a treasury department a solution to a problem that you can deal with that helps the company strategy and helps the company's goals to even go further. Like for example, as I talked earlier, if you see a strategic solution would be how do you effectively use your company's capital? How do you efficiently use company's working capital to further, for example, to further strengths in the balance sheet, but also for example, further helping the company evolve, helping the company growing, for example, on an M&A kind of thing or, or something like that. So I think it is focusing on the strategic goals of the company and out of those strategic goals, defining your strategic goals for the treasury department and seeing how can you influence by your decisions, by your tasks, by your solutions that you deliver on helping achieving those. And the con- contribution you make. Correct, definitely. And just before we move on, there was another question. I sort of, I, sorry, this is on this. Um, well, two different things. You know, Number one, you're a treasurer. What keeps you awake at night? Uh, 
Number two, what keeps you in Treasury? What keeps you interested? So sorry for those sort of, uh, you know, curveball questions, but you're lying there and you go, oh, God, what about this? What are your you, your concerns for Treasury, if you like? What keeps you awake? Uh, you mean cons- concerns in terms of what are the problems to focus on? or? Yeah. Um, I think we, 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 we pretty much covered some of it already, right? Yeah. I think one topic immediately that comes to my mind, what keeps us, probably not only me, but a lot of other treasurers awake at night is the whole situation when it comes to the trade trade wars to the regulation kind of things, right? Mm. Because a lot of the success that we had on treasury, on, on, tre- on the treasury area in the last decade or so, came from centralization, came from mm. bundling funds, for example, centralizing cash flows by doing pooling and whatever. Uh, and I think there is a third threat when it comes to taxation of those flows, when it comes to burdens or regulation in terms of outflows. You know you know what I'm talking about, right? Well, it's economies uh, of scale, isn't it? You know, different uh, countries bringing together your services and within... Correct, correct. And there's a third threat to it when you have your... When you, when you actually deglobalize, right, which is a little bit the political topic right now, which gets more and more international in a very vast area of countries, right? So as we wrap up today's show, as I've said before, uh, you can connect to Felix via LinkedIn. We'll put his LinkedIn profile in the show notes, which is great. But someone listens to today's show, they, they love it. They go, oh, actually, that's great. I want to work for a factory maker. I want to, want to be a producer. I want to be. But, you know, I say that because I think it's a really fascinating. And you know, when originally we first, Felix and I first started speaking, even I had to do the research. I mean, I knew a little bit about it, but actually, you know, the global nature of the company and it FTSE 250, I was like, wow, this is an amazing company. It was a, so you've got a better understanding. So someone says, actually, that's what I want to do, or I'm a treasury manager, I want Felix's job. What recommendations would you make to those guys if they're developing? Is it study? Is it, you know, keeping your options open? Or is it, you know, being open to different moves? We've had a variety of different answers of different treasurers. But looking back at yourself, what would you give as the key to success and blow your own trumpet a little bit, sort of thing? <laughs> uh, how do you make your profession great, right? Yeah. Great. Not again. It is already great. Yeah. Um, I, I think my advice to everybody, and this is probably true for all professions, not only for treasury, is I think you have to do what you like. You have to do what you have a passion for, right? Because that's the only area that you will succeed in. So if you, if, if, if you dislike what you do, you will never do it. In a, in a, you, will never, you, never, you will never just succeed, right? Don't pick your or otherwise. Don't pick your profession or your job just by what you think gives you the best chance for a good career, because this will not this will not will not make you happy. And first first thing and second thing, you will not be successful if it's not something that you have the passion for, that you have the energy for, that you have the fire for. 
I think this is very this is this is true for every profession. It's all, of course also true for treasury. How did you discover that passion? How did you know that this? Just when you started doing it, you think, oh, this is I really get this. Is that Thank right? you. Actually, a good question. I think starting even even further even before I I, I I did my university studies, I think I was always a numbers guy. That's that, 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 that's for sure. So, uh, and also so like. Also in high school or whatever, this was just my area that I wanted to, that I would that 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 I, that I was good at, that I also wanted to do, and then going further, also during the during the university university studies, when you had like you know when you do business administration, you have a lot of things. You have marketing, you have corporate finance, you have uh, FP&A and whatever, right? So and I think uh, I, for me it was pretty clear soon that I don't want to do the marketing thing. That that was for sure, right? It was just there was a lot of a lot of talking without actually really having any tangible tangible things, right? Mm. So I think that was pretty clear for me soon that the finance, that the cash, that the that that that, that those treasury and corporate finance uh, things are my expertise and is something that I want to do. And going then deciding on where you want to go in which industry you want to go i think it was for me also a question of tangible tangibility right so 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 i wanted to have something tangible um, i don't think i would be very happy or also successful in i don't know one of the big fours or one of the advisors where you pretty much what you do is you do powerpoint slides right mm. And then you actually, actually, at the end of the day, you do you do PowerPoint slides for your clients, but you actually never never know did it work, did it didn't it work? Because by then you you are you are gone and you are to the next or the, or actually the one after next, mm. right? So I think this was this is something that for me uh, was was important. First of all, being being a finance guy, being a being an analytical analytical guy, as I mentioned before, and then second of all, doing something that is tangible or doing it in an industry that is tangible that you know when you do something, like for example, when you do a working capital project, when you do a financing, right? It is tangible. So you know what you do with it. You build a plan with it. You invest something. Uh, so, so, so it's just something right, that, that you see what you put in also gives you some kind of output. Yeah, it so, was just important for me. So you, you, what, what you put in, you actually get to see the results and actually the difference you make, not just being a catalyst, but actually, I did that. That was part of mine, and and making you know a difference on a global scale with an international corporate. So correct, correct. Yeah. And you see, you put something in, you put your efforts in, but also there is something then coming out of it, right? Yeah, which is not a which is not a PowerPoint slide. No. Exactly. <laughs> Much better. Only a power word slide. That's exactly. So um, amazing. Great show. Enjoyed it as always. Uh, I, I've known Felix for a while now and um, just enjoyed it. It's, it's lovely when we have a conversation like that. We've gone all the way through. Guys, if you want to connect with Felix, feel free. But uh, Mr. Varmut, it's been amazing today. Thank you for your time. Thank you as well. And, and I, I look forward to talking in the future. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. Many thanks.